Okay, let's start off this morning in prayer. Father God, as we come to you this morning, we want to praise you and thank you for all that you do. We want to praise you and thank you for just the way you continue to guide and direct our lives, guide and direct this church. We pray, Father, that uh, you just are watching over and permeating the hearts of the children in the children's Sunday school. We ask you, Lord, that you just get me out of the way and that this, uh, that this study be all about you. We just want to praise you and thank you so very much for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of quick questions before we get started. What do we know about the Levites? Do we know who they were? They were priests. They were the only tribe that didn't bow to the golden calf. Okay. They were actually the second in line in the priests, right? Okay. What else do we know about them? They what? They didn't have land. They what? They opposed Jesus as the Messiah, right? Uh-huh. They were chosen and they were dispersed among the tribes as kind of God's Okay. So originally they came from the tribe of Levi, right? And, um, and they were dispersed out. So they were a Hebrew tribe, right? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> what do we think of when we think of priests? What are priests? What do they do? Okay, they intercede. They mediate. Do we kind of hold them to a uh, to a higher level? Yeah. They were the ones that offered the sacrifices. They assemble a hope. Someone that we should be able to rely on and turn to, right? Is that something that we would normally think? Okay. What about Samaritans? What do we know about the Samaritans? They were looked down on, but why? Half-breeds. That's a good... That's, that is one way to put it. <laughs> they, were an, they were a mixed inhabitants. Um, they were brought from Babylon, right? And so they were despised by the Jews because when they were brought in, they also brought a lot of their own beliefs, their idols, things like this. Samaria was the capital of the uh, ten tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. So, were they Jew? Were they Gentile? What were they? They were Israelites. They were uh, the descendants of Jacob, but they were uh, the... They were, and they were Israelites. They were Israelites, which were also going to be considered a Gentile.
So this morning we're going to talk about a very familiar story probably most everyone in here has heard. We're going to talk about the Good Samaritan. So, so let's open our books to Luke chapter 10. And we're actually going to start out in verse 25. So if you're using one of the Pew Bibles, it's on page 1035. So we're going to start out in verse 25, and it says, And a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. So we're going to break down those first couple of verses. In verse 25, the lawyer stood up and put him to the test. Jesus was constantly being put to the test because of his teachings, um, especially by those that were that studied the law a lot. Um, and what we're going to see here is, is right off the bat, it says, a lawyer that stood up and put him to the test. And he asks a very important question right off the bat. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this is a very important question. It's a very rightly question. And it's a question that probably every one of us in here has once asked. It's also the same question that many of those that are out in the world ask. And sometimes they just don't realize the question that they're asking. But because of the things that they do, they're constantly trying to search out and to fulfill that missing piece that's within their heart. As a Christian... we are taught that we should be able to answer for a reason for our faith. My question to you this morning, right off the bat, is as a Christian, if you were asked this question, could you respond to it? I'm not really looking for you guys to answer that. That's a question I want you to be able to answer for yourself. As a Christian, would you be able to respond to the question what must I do to get eternal life? If someone came up to you and wanted to be saved, could you help walk them through the steps? The next thing we want to look at in that verse is look at the way that Jesus responded to it. He said to him, well, in verse 26, he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? See, right off the bat, Jesus knew that this was a test. 
And so as opposed to just giving a direct answer, he asks him, well, tell me, what's it say in the law? You know, you're, you're a studier of the law. And the man answered, and he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, when we hear those words, what do we think of? Probably the same thing that this guy had thought of is that Jesus had just said that back in the book of Matthew, right? When asked that exact same question. Do you guys know that those same words actually come from the Old Testament? Let's go back and look it up. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And in chapter 6, in verse 5, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And then flip over to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Sorry, if you're using the Pew Bibles, it's on page 125. In verse 18 it says, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Hmm. So was Jesus saying that this is what you have to do? that if you followed these simple things, that you could inherit eternal life? If you could do it, perfect. Exactly, huh? That's a scary question to answer, huh? Is that what he said? The answer really is yes. That is what he's saying. If you could do this, but you would have to do it perfectly, you would have to have complete obedience to the law, you would have to have perfect devotion, perfect love toward God, perfect love toward your neighbor. Let's be honest. Who can really say that any of us could do that? You think the lawyer himself knew that he had not done that? Yeah, I believe he did. And so if that was the case, then the lawyer is going to say, well... So how could he be sure that he would have eternal life? That sting of condemnation from the law drew a, it drew up a follow-up question. And right away, what does he ask right after, right after that? Let's look at verse 29. Verse 29, But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Let's go through and read 29 through 35 before we move on to this. Because I think that having this in context is huge. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? 
Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jer uh, Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down, to, down on the road that when he saw him, passed on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came to him and, bang, and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, for whatever more you spend, I, when I return, I will repay you. So, this lawyer, most likely being a Jew, and the Jews often believed that their neighbors were their fellow Jews. And so, he actually is trying to really pinpoint and get Jesus to kind of narrow down when he says to go out to love thy neighbor. It seems like he was looking for a way to take that big group and make it more manageable. That way he could just add it to a checklist of things that he had to do. And Jesus replied with, instead of replying with a straight answer, he replies with a, with a story that is going to turn into a question. And in verse 30 it says, Jesus replied and said, a man who was going from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. The road between Jerusalem and Jericho is probably somewhere around 18 miles. And this road travels between two mountain ranges. And it, uh, you know, there were a lot of... Uh, there were people that lived up through that area and that were not very very honest and that sometimes took care took advantage of those that were traveling down that path and in this case a man that was traveling he was beaten he was robbed he was stripped of his clothes and he was beaten to the point that really he was the bible says that he was left half dead now, how many of us could see somebody that was in that kind of condition and was able to just turn your head and walk by? In verse 31, he says, And by chance a priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And in verse 32 it says, Likewise a Levite also, when he came to that place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Now right off the bat we probably get pretty upset and think, how in the world could anybody do that? How could they turn by, turn a blind cheek and pass by? Hold on, just a second. But before we get too riled up and, and frustrated with these guys, how often in our own lives have we seen somebody in need 
that we have turned a blind eye to, that we have walked away, that we have taken another path so that we didn't have to come into uh, conflict with them. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay, I'll go ahead and address that. So, so, so what Sam was saying is that, is that because of the priests of the Levites, that um, if you go back to Leviticus and that they're following the law, that if they were at a point where they were, um, that they had been cleansed, that they could not touch any of the dead and things like that, couldn't touch open wounds, things like that. That's true. The thing that I would question with that is in this story, that is an assumption that we are making, is that he had been coming back from the temple, that he had been cleansed, and, all, and is why he did that. That is an assumption that we are making. That's... That's an assumption that you have to decide if you want to make. Um, on my side of it, I, the way that I look at it is, you know, through this passage and through this story, that is making an assumption that we didn't necessarily have to follow through. Yes. See, another the thing is, by this time, the whole religious system has become so legalistic. And what Jesus said, that they're making laws Nobody can obey it. And they just didn't. But, and then also it talks about in the Old Testament and New Testament that he desires uh, compassion and mercy over sacrifice. But these priests and Levi had made, taken it because of the legalistic stand they had taken. They didn't have the compassion and the mercy they needed to have. Yeah. So what she's saying is that this right here is, that Jesus is talking about is a parable and not necessarily a real event. I don't know one way or the other if it was a parable or if it was a real event, but either way. Okay. <laughs> um, but in in either way, you know, it it goes by to say, you know, these are the people that we hold in high regard, and. This was the actions that they took. Okay, or in this case, the lack of actions that they took. Okay, let's move on and look at verse 32. 
Verse 32, it says, Likewise, a Levite um, also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. By the, but a Samaritan, who was on a journey, came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to the inn and took care of him. So first of all, it says that he, the Samaritan had come by and that he had saw the man, saw that he was injured, saw that he was in need. It also says that he was on a journey and that he had somewhere to go. So he stopped whatever he was doing because he felt compassion about this man. And he stopped and he uh, poured oil and wine. So in our vernacular, in other words, he administered first aid. He added the medicine to help, you know, take care of him. He bandaged him up and then he put him on his donkey or in the Bible puts it, he put him on his beast and he took him to the inn. See, oftentimes, even in our own lives, we see somebody that is in need. And we are so busy with our own lives and so busy with what is going on that we don't want to take time to stop. Well, maybe if they're still there on the way back, I'll stop and help. Yes, Willie? So what he's saying is the first, excuse me? Right. Yeah, so what he's saying is in the, the first two were, <coughs> they just saw the man and that they passed by him and that they went on the other side. They had no idea really the extent of his injuries, whether he was alive, whether he was dead, whatever the case is, you know. And it really wasn't a matter of, you know, of the law of what they were doing, but more a matter of the heart of where their heart was at and what they were doing. So, but back to where the Samaritan comes by and he's, and he stops and he, and he takes care of this guy and he checks him out and he sees that he is, you know, he's extremely hurt, he's extremely wounded. And he, he bandages him up, he uses the oil and the wine that he has to pour on his cuts to help take care of him. And then he puts him on his, uh, he puts him on his beast and he takes him to the inn. And this is something I want you guys to notice. He brought him to, uh, verse 34, it said, and, uh, and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And then he put him on the beast and brought him to the inn and took care of him. So the first thing that he did is, is once that he administered first aid, once he helped him out, then he put him on his beast, he took him back to the inn. And does it say that he just took him in, dropped him off, and let somebody else take care of him? No. He stopped what he was doing, where he was going, and he stopped and took care of him. And in verse 35 it says, On the next day, the next day, in other words, this man that was headed down the same path, who had other things to do and had, you know, whatever it is on this journey that he was on, 
He took the time out. Not only did he stop and help him and stay with him, but he stayed with him all the way through the night. And then it says, On the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. The Samaritan not only stopped to take care of him and stopped to get him to someplace safe, but he stayed the night with him and got up in the morning to finish his journey and still was taking responsibility for the man because when he came to the innkeeper, he paid for his room, he paid to take care of him, and then he told the innkeeper that if you spend anything above this, let me know because on my way back, I will repay you. Talk about taking responsibility for somebody. Talk about taking responsibility for a situation that you had no part of. To me, this is such an incredible story because I stop and I look at my own life and I stop and I think about, you know, people that I have come in contact with. And, and it makes me stop and wonder, how much did I do and how much more could have I done? You know, did I just stop to say, can I help you? Did I stop and help them just enough to get them going? Or did I actually stop and help them enough to, to get them going and make sure that they were going to be okay and help them get to their destination? Wow, what a huge responsibility. What an incredible, generous, generous way to approach life. And so then that poses a whole other question. Why do people, including religious people, Christians, why do we fail to be compassionate? Why do we fail to be compassionate even when it's in a situation that seems like it really should just be second nature? Some of the reasons that I can think of is maybe because we count the costs. What's it going to cost me to stop and to be compassionate towards someone? And by cost, it could be financial, it could be time, it could be whatever. Or maybe we calculate the risk. No, I don't know. If if this guy is over here and he, you know, using the case in the story. You know, if this guy was here and he got beaten up and he got robbed and stripped and everything else, that seems like a pretty big risk. I don't know if I want to put myself in that position. Or maybe we shift the blame. I didn't have anything to do with it. Why do I need to get be a part of it? That's not my mess. I don't want to be a part of it. 
Or maybe it's a sacrifice that we would have to do. Because we would have to sacrifice our time. We would have to sacrifice our energy. We might have to sacrifice an appointment in which we were headed to. I don't know. You guys, you guys come up with your own reasons. You know, why? Why do I fail to be compassionate in times that I should be compassionate? And my next question is, is what does compassion look like? Now, I know you guys can help me with this one. What does compassion look like? Putting others in need before your own. Yes, ma'am. Compassion requires wisdom and also knowing what the need is. So she said sometimes those that appear to be in need are really just looking for something else or trying to take advantage of a situation. Okay? What else does compassion look like? So what she said is that she just witnessed a place, uh, time at the grocery store that um, a mother and a young girl were walking in. The young girl had asked the lady behind her if the, they would give her a ride. And the mom was like, no, don't ask for that. You know, we, we'll make it. And yet the lady behind him right away just answered, well, yes, of course I would. That's an act of compassion. Guys, every day we have opportunity to offer compassion to somebody. Every day we come in contact with people that are searching out to hear the gospel. Every day we have an opportunity to share what we believe and why we believe it. Every day we have an opportunity to turn around and to help somebody in need. My question is, why don't we? My question is, are we looking for people that are in need? Yes, ma'am.
Okay. So what she's saying is that she believes that um, the Levite and the priest actually had a reason for not doing it, and it's because they had set themselves apart from them, that they believed that maybe they were better than them. There may be truth to that. Because truthfully, how honestly, even in our own lives, how often are we likely to step, step out of our social status to help somebody in a different social status. Ouch, that's a scary thought, huh? Because honestly, do we not tend to uh, tend to mingle or tend to offer help or tend to do things for people that are more like us? People that we can identify with. Yeah. Yes. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You know, really, prejudice is nothing more than a decision that we make about somebody else. So... We always think of prejudice as something more more defined, but really you could be prejudiced in so many different ways. It could be, you know, because of a social status, it could be because of a color, it could be because of a lifestyle, it could be because of a past lifestyle, it could be because of decisions people make. I mean there's there's you name it. So <clears throat> but yeah, this When we stop and we look at each of the people that we're talking about here, I think every one of us can probably identify ourselves in every place if we take a minute to look at it. Okay. So let's go down and look at verses 36 and 37. So 
Jesus has now given the parable to the lawyer to whom stood up to test him. We know that he was trying to test him and put him in a position because that's what it says in verse 25. And so now Jesus turns around and asks him the right question. It says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? See, asking the right question is also very important. And it's very important in, as far as answering it and into our decisions. See, while Jesus' question was really, who can you be a neighbor to? While the lawyer was looking to tell me who do I need to go look for so I can mark them off my list to be a neighbor to. And yet, in the way Jesus rephrases it, and after he gives this parable, it's not so much who is our neighbor, but who is it that you can be a neighbor to. And notice in verse 37. And he said, being a lawyer, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. Did you notice he did not even want to say that it was the Samaritan? But he's just going to pick him out by his actions. Just it's the one who went and showed mercy. See, showing compassion is completely different than doing acts of compassion. See, there are people all over out there that do acts of compassion. Because there's a need, we'll fill the need. That's a compassionate act. Right, right now, even in, even in our own country, there is a huge call, and people are being compassionate and donating to, you know, the causes of the floods and the hurricanes and the destruction that happened. And there are people that have no belief or no religious stance. And yet, they're trying to, they're helping those people out. They're donating, they're doing whatever it is to help them out. That's a compassionate act. But the question is, what's the standard? Why are they doing it? See, for a Christian, we should be doing it because it's a change of heart. We should be doing it because Christ showed compassion on us. God sent His only Son to die on the cross to be our Savior. That was a compassionate act. But why did he do it? He did it because he wants a relationship with you. That's showing compassion. It's about being a compassionate person. 
See, people don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. There's a cute little children's song and one of the verses in it is if you want to be a good Samaritan, then be a good Samara friend. Jesus, the crucified Savior, has been the good Samaritan to us. He was the neighbor to us. Have you ever felt his mercy make your heart more merciful? Then in your, if so, then in your own heart, you understand what it means when he says, go and do likewise. Real faith in Christ values people the way that God values people. And then demonstrates compassion to those who are in need around us. If you guys have already gotten your bulletin this morning, if you look on the very front page, it's going to refer us back to Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 1. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 1 and 2 in this case. Because chapter 5, well, at least the first 20, 20 some odd verses, is about being imitators of God. And in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love, just as Christ also loved. He loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. How fitting is that? My challenge to you this week is for you to examine why do I not show compassion to somebody? You pick the scenario, you pick the people, you pick whatever it is. Maybe it'll be a future event, maybe it's a past event. But my challenge to you is to stop and figure out why did I not show compassion to you fill in the blank. Let's close in prayer. Father God, as we come to you, we just want to praise you and thank you for this study. We pray, Father, that you help us to not just find neighbors to love, but to be neighbors who love because you first loved us. You guided us. We pray, Father, that you guide us to share the same love that you have shown in this parable. We pray, Father, that this, that you just bless the the Sunday school um, we pray Father that you bless the church services I pray Father for every heart in here that you have an impact on us every single day Father God I also just pray to you
that you just lay it on our heart. Guide us and to direct us. That for all of the things that you've done for us, that we can follow your word and that we may go and do likewise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.